the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. She said it out loud. We've all known how she feels about uh, anybody who doesn't agree with her, and she came really close to becoming president of the United States. And, uh, of course, we should all be eternally grateful to Donald Trump for for preventing uh, that from happening. But nobody could prevent Hillary Clinton from being our winner this week. And now it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Yeah, Hillary sat down with Christiane Amanpour uh, and came up with her solution for all those, you know, deplorable people out there who voted against her back in 2016. And it's too bad you can't see Christiana, by the way, because she smiled and nodded in agreement when she said it. Very strong partisans in both parties in the past. Uh, And we had very bitter battles over all kinds of things, gun control and climate change and the economy and taxes. But there wasn't this little tail of extremism waving, you know, wagging the dog of the uh, Republican Party as it is today. Mm-hmm. And sadly, so many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump, who has no credibility left by any measure. He's only in it for himself. He's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions. And when do they break with him? You know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. Yeah, let's just deprogram them, uh, Hillary. Thanks. Uh, you know, deprogram all those people who don't think our taxes are high enough, um, uh, who don't th- who think they're too high, actually, or don't think illegal immigration is a problem, who like fossil fuels and don't think Rachel Levine is a woman. Um, you know, let's deprogram them. That's the ticket. Uh, now, imagine having to look and listen to this hag every day for the last six and a half years. And, of course, you know... It's never pointed out, or she's never asked about it. I would like to see one person ask her this question, but you realize that if it were not for Hillary's husband, you never would have heard of her, ever. You wouldn't know she existed. Wouldn't that be nice? And who knows, she might never have been named the AM 1250 The Answer Jerk of the Week. Yeah, uh, Hillary... It likes to run around talking about what a what a uh, pioneer she is and a ceiling breaker and a glass ceiling breaker and all that stuff. It's hilarious. She would never have been known outside of whatever stinking little town she comes from in Illinois. I don't know, some suburb of Chicago. If it weren't for the guy she married, who probably can't stand her, by the way, but for the guy who she married, who then proceeded to cheat on her every 15 minutes, uh, if it were not for that guy, you wouldn't have heard of her. She'd, have been, she'd be a nobody. But she's, she, really, she really cracked that glass ceiling um, all on her own. You never would have heard of her. 
Now, uh, and and I just here's a, while I'm on the subject. What? Well, how long is she going to be around? What? What? What does? She, what has she done lately? She got. She lost to uh, the presidency that was owed to her twice, and she here she is. She's seventy six years old. She's not going anywhere. It's not like anybody looks at her as a wise old politician or leader of any kind, other than the people in the media who slobber all over her. But the do you think the average person on the street really has any admiration for this person anymore? I don't know. How come she keeps showing up? But Christiana Amanpour was sure to uh, make sure she sat down with her. And if you if you find the video anywhere online, just check out uh, Christiane's expression on her face, as I said. When, she, when uh, Hillary makes that comment about deprogramming, she smiles and nods in agreement. Now, I don't know. I, I, obviously, I can't look at CNN for more than 30 seconds, but I'm pretty sure that Christiane Amanpour is still considered a reporter and not a, an opinion person. And I, I think she's presented as a, you know, an unbiased uh, conveyor of the news. And she, when you see her sitting there with Hillary, the admiration on her face, I asked the question a minute ago, how is it, who's, who's out there admiring her? Maybe Christiane is one of the three people left in the country who does, but she is nodding in agreement with it. It's just, it's, it's sick. But, you know, again, I don't care what Donald Trump has done, what he does in the future, nothing will change the fact that we all owe him a gigantic debt of gratitude that that hag is not, she could be, just imagine her, imagine putting up with her for four years, and she probably won a, won a second term because they would have fixed it the same way they fixed the last one. Just imagine having to look at her for six and a half years up to this point. Oh, unbelievable. So uh, so the other uh, little bit of news that's out there is that uh, all of a sudden the, the wall is okay. And Joe Biden, do I have time for this, Mike? Yeah. Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Biden uh, said yesterday that, well, I guess we're going to have to do the wall. They're making me do it. Um, the Biden administration, to, in order to do it, is bypassing 26 federal laws, uh, and that includes environmental restrictions. They're, they're going to build a new section of the border wall down there in Texas near the Rio Grande. And uh, the, uh, the reason they're doing it, as according to the guy who's the Homeland Security, the uh, you know, Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, says there is high illegal entry into the U.S., and his quote is, there is, a, there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States. You think, you think, Alejandro, that the, <laughs> I thought it was everything was okay. Those pictures of people pouring over the border, through our, uh, what's supposed to be a border, I thought that was, yeah, nothing to worry about. So that's what, that's what uh, Alejandro said. So this is, uh, he's, he works for a guy named Joe Biden who said back in 2020 that he would not build another foot, quote-unquote, of a border wall. Uh, you know, everybody knows that uh, Donald Trump's been pushing for that. So then yesterday, Biden, he took a question about it, and he said, 
he had no choice because Congress wouldn't agree to cancel the funding approved in 2019. That was a law that was uh, approved before he became president, when Donald Trump was uh, president. The money was appropriated for the border. I tried to get them to reappropriate to uh, reappropriate it to redirect that money. They didn't. So um, he was asked, "Well, do you think the wall would do some good?" He said, "No, no, we don't. We don't." So he's still saying, even though he's going to build it, we don't need it. So the the hilarious part, of course, was when how'd you like to have Corinne Jean Pierre's job? This, the director of Homeland Security said, "We need a wall because of." Acute, no, hiding, uh, citing high illegal entry, and there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States. That's what Mayorkas wrote in the notice that they put out that the wall is, the wall is going to be uh, constructed. So he says that, and about 20 minutes later, the president is asked about it. <laughs> And he says, hey, you think we need a wall? No, we don't need a wall. So you're now Corrine Jean-Pierre, and you have to go in and face the media, and you're already way over your head in the job, and you got the big binder with you, and you gotta, you got to go toe-to-toe with the media. Listen. The president just told me that a border wall does not work. If that's the case, why does his own Department of Homeland Security secretary say in a public notice, quote, there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers? The president was very clear in saying, and also what you all have been reporting about, uh, about this uh, uh, this construction. Uh, so the facts are this. Uh, this, uh, this is not new. But why now? For instance, these funds have been available since Biden took office. Why at this time? And the president actually spoke to this. What specific law would the administration be breaking if funds appropriated for the border wall are not used, especially because the funds are <clears throat> go unused all the time, I and mean, why not let it go unused this time? Border walls, in effect, of why is the Homeland Security Secretary saying that it's necessary to prevent unlawful entries into the United States? I have not seen that full that full statement. He said in 2020 as a candidate, so after this law was passed in 2019, that there will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration. How can you say that he's not breaking that promise? He said that it's not new, but to be clear that this was posted on the Federal Register overnight on October 4th. So, just to be clear about this, the president earlier today said that he was asked, does the border wall work? He said no. But in this statement that was posted within the last 24 hours, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary says there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States. So who's right? The statement from the DHS secretary overnight or the president's comments today saying they don't work? Do you have a disagreement with his Department of Homeland I, Security I, secretary? What I can tell you, what the president, I, have, I, I want to tell you what the president said and what your colleague asked him. He said, no, he doesn't believe that I the border will affect him. speaking in direct contradiction to what his own I know, I hear you. I hear says. you. I'm speaking for the president. Is it at all related to the funding request uh, for Ukraine that the administration has been pushing for, given what some House Republicans are saying, that they want border money right now? You've said many times that the president many times has asked Congress to cancel or shift these funds toward more effective uses of the border. How has he specifically done that? Has has that been through formal budget or funding requests? When did that happen? So I don't have the exact timeline. His DHS secretary previously said in 2021 he was against the border wall. Um, As plenty of my colleagues have pointed out, he has recently said that there's you know, an acute need. It seems that his secretary has changed his mind. Will the president or has the president inquired 
uh, what caused that pollution. As a candidate, President Biden didn't say there will not be another foot of wall constructed that uh, except what was appropriated in 2019. He said, there will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration. So something changed, what? You want us to break the law? Is that what you want? You want us to not comply with the law? I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm you want, about, But you want us to not comply it. with the law? You want us to not be in administrations that follow you the law? You guys do law. this all the time, the student loans, uh, the student loan forgiveness program, uh, you went to court to fight for that. If this is such a problem, building 20 miles of wall, why not just go to court? We went to Congress. The Congress appropriates why the funding. Not, why not Congress, fight them more? Congress appropriates the funding. We asked them to not use that funding for that particular purpose. They denied it. And now we're complying with the law. If you have to build a border wall, but you don't think that it's gonna work, then once it's done, are you just gonna tear it down? I'm not getting into hypotheticals from here. I'm just telling you what I can tell you from here. The facts are that DHS is complying with the law. This is from fiscal year. This was under fiscal year 2019 under Republican uh, leadership. And DHS is required to do this. The president asked multiple times of Congress to reappropriate. They did not. And we're not complying by the law. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming. And uh, if you have any other questions, if you need me, I'll be back uh, dyeing my hair purple. I, what? What? This person is so far in so far over her head that uh, she she should change her name to Binder. That she just, all she does is look at that binder, and but at the same time you have to feel sorry for her because it's a, a really impossible job. What I like the best is when she says, "As this president has made very as has been clear, he's been very clear on this." Uh, sorry, uh, Jean Pierre, he hasn't been clear on anything. I'll be right back. Well, apparently there's only one bakery in Colorado, um, and it's owned by Jack Phillips. He has the only bakery in Colorado <laughs> because every time a gay person, um, uh, a, a gay couple, uh, wants to have a same-sex marriage or anything related to that, they go to his bakery, uh, and, and it's apparently the only bakery in the state because – they want him to make the cake, and he's made it clear that for religious purposes, he's not going to do it. So uh, the first time they tried to make him do it, it went all, all the way to the Supreme Court, and he won. Well, then a transgender person came came by. Somebody named Autumn uh, came by. I don't have a picture of Autumn, but I'm kind of glad I don't. But um, someone named Autumn came by and wanted to have a birthday cake celebrating uh, his gender transition. So the Colorado Court of Appeals ruled that the cake that Autumn requested from Jack and his masterpiece cake shop, which was to be pink with blue frosting, is not a form of speech. And it also found that the state law that makes it illegal to refuse to provide services to people based on protected characteristics like race, religion, or sexual orientation does not violate business owners' right to practice or express their religion. And relying on the findings of a Denver judge in a 2021 trial in the dispute, the appeals court said Philip Shop initially agreed to make the cake, but but then refused. You much do you see how much time I'm wasting here talking about this stupidity? Uh, and, and and it's going to the Supreme Court again. That's the story today. Jack Phillips is going to the not the, the uh, U.S. the Colorado Supreme Court 
for his transgender transgender uh, cake case. Uh, Autumn Scardina tried to order a pink cake with blue frosting, and uh, on that and he did that on the same day in 2017 that the U.S. Supreme Court announced it would hear Phillips' appeal in the wedding case. So the same day that his original case went to the Supreme Court, this creep, this transgender creep, goes to Jack Baker and says that he wants a cake celebrating the fact that he's going to have his penis cut off, I guess. I, I don't know what, what, you know, it's a transgender, so whatever that is, that's, you know, that's, that's something that we're going to celebrate that. And we're going to do it with a cake, okay? I'm trying to imagine what exactly he would put on that cake. You know, how would he, how would he decorate that cake? But uh, here's my question. Now, if I, own a, if I own a bake shop and I decide that I don't want to be involved in decorating a cake with two men getting married or someone um, transitioning from a man to a woman, supposedly, um, well, I don't think I, I – I don't know why I need to be dealing with the, with, the, um, with the court system. Why don't I just make a really ugly cake? Oh, what is it you need? You need a transgender cake. You need it to be pink and blue. And, and then come out with the ugliest cake that anybody's ever seen and hand it to the person and say, here you go. Is there going to be somebody from the government appointed to come into the cake and then make a judgment on whether he tried hard enough to make a really nice cake? What, this, the stupidity that is uh, infecting the world right now because of the whole transgender movement is just unbelievable. I mean, it started going back, they're not going back to, but including women playing sports, Rachel Levine being called a woman, and it, it gets all to the point where this poor guy's been trying to run a bakery for I don't know how many years now, and every time um, the transgender or LGBTQ movement wants to make a point, they torture this poor guy. How about leaving him alone? He's He's been through it. You know, go to another bakery. And, and here's the other thing. If there are so many people who are so interested in having a cake that that celebrates their um, their sexual orientation or their the changing of their sex, you'd think there'd be another bakery pop up somewhere that would offer that as a service with a big sign on it. We make gender transition cakes. Gender transition cakes are us. Instead, they go torture this poor guy. Well, when we come back after the break, we're going to have a guy who deals with this kind of stuff in Pennsylvania to come here and talk about some of the stuff that's going on. And I think we'll even we'll get to uh, maybe some of the transgender insanity with him. Stick around. Well, before the break, uh, in our last segment, we talked about uh, Jack Phillips the guy who apparently owns the only bakery in Colorado, having another one of his cases going to the Colorado Supreme Court. The insanity, as I said, is everywhere, including Pennsylvania. And the Pennsylvania Family Institute has taken on the cause of defending freedom. Jeremy Samick is the chief of staff there, and he joins us now. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show. appreciate it. Hey, pleasure being here. So the uh, before we <laughs> – I have to get your take on the fact that this, this poor guy – in uh, Colorado is going back to the uh, has to go back to the Colorado Supreme Court. You've had to deal with cases similar to this. 
Uh, what do you make of all that, and, and how, how much longer can they torture this poor guy? Yeah, it's, it's harassment, pure and simple. He's already won a case before the U.S. Supreme Court, and the, the state of Colorado has lost numerous times. Um, most recently, they lost in a, a case called, it, well, this case was just this summer, a uh, website designer who mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. would design websites for anybody, um, including people who are LGBT, but just couldn't express every single message that people would want them to express. And so that case went to the U.S. Supreme Court, and she won. Um, yet they still keep going after Jack Phillips. And what they're really trying to do is intimidate other people from, from exercising their conscience. Yeah, and, uh, but how far can it go? Uh, and we'll get to Pennsylvania in a second, but how, at some point... Um, it's already been determined by the Supreme Court. Why are the courts wasting their time with cases like this when uh, it's pretty obvious the way the, the Supreme Court has ruled on it? Yeah, it really has to do with the way that judges make decisions. So conservative judges are usually trying to make the decision on the most narrow ground uh, possible so they don't go overboard and make sweeping um, pronouncement on issues that aren't before them. So, so some of it is procedural-based, um, just because conservative judges are less likely to to try to solve everything in one fair swoop. Um, but quite frankly, in Colorado, they just have a legislature and really an administrative bureaucratic structure uh, that creates this type of abuse. And until they get a state legislature and governor who are willing to put a stop to it, um, they're going to continue to exploit every loophole that they can. Well, the case in Colorado uh, getting a lot of attention, and rightly so, but uh, we have our own issues here in Pennsylvania. What's the uh, mission of the Pennsylvania Family Institute? Yeah, the Pennsylvania Family Institute, we, we exist uh, to see that religious freedom flourishes, uh, to promote the family and to protect religious liberty, uh, to protect life at all stages. And so we do that through a number of ways. We help draft legislation and lobby for good legislation in the state capitol. Um, and, and as well, we represent school boards and local towns and counties and helping them to pass good laws and good policies. Um, in addition to that, we have an independence law center where we litigate uh, religious liberty type cases. We just had a, a wonderful U.S. Supreme Court victory. Uh, Gerald Groff, who was a, a postal carrier from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and um, he was a missionary, came back from the mission field and looked for a job where he would be able to have the Sabbath off. And, and he found that in the U.S. Post Office. Uh, eventually, to make a long story short, the U.S. Post Office stopped accommodating his religious uh, beliefs to be able to have off on Sundays. And he would do double shifts for people during the week. He would do double shifts for people during Saturday. He would work every single holiday um, to ensure that he was accommodating all the rest of his co-employees. But the post office itself at a national level didn't want to do that anymore. And so we went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and we got a 46-year-old bad precedent overturned. So it's a great win for uh, the religious liberty of people all over this country. So what, was the, what did the Supreme Court say in the ruling? So the statute uh, in, in Title Seven says that employers have to reasonably accommodate um, religious conscience unless it creates an undue hardship on the employer. This is similar to the language that's in the, the ADA statute with the Americans with Disabilities Act that we reasonably accommodate unless it's an undue hardship. But there was a Supreme Court case 46 years ago that mentioned the words um, de minimis impact. And so... What ended up happening is lower courts, when it came to religion, were applying a standard. Anything more than a de minimis impact on the business would be an undue hardship. 
by wildly different standard whenever we're accommodating people with disabilities. And so the court took this opportunity to say that language, de minimis, is in no way, shape, or form to be used. The standard is an undue hardship on the employer's business. So, for example, if you pay somebody time and a half to take somebody's spot, that's not an undue hardship on the business. So the Supreme Court says federal law requires workplaces to accommodate uh, their religious employees, but what if it's, um, I don't know, Satan worship or, or a religion that someone decides to make up because he or she wants a day off? Is there a problem with determining what is a legitimate religion and who gets to determine that? Yeah, there really hasn't ever been a problem with that. Courts courts are able to look and see if somebody's serious about what their religious belief and their conscience. But for the most part, the the, the cases that go into uh, any sort of trial or certainly at the appellate level um, are all involving people who have legitimate uh, religious beliefs, and it's not people making stuff up for any inappropriate reason. Yeah, um, and uh, kids and sex education and explicit material in the libraries or in the uh, curriculum seems to be an ongoing issue. How much of a problem is that in Pennsylvania? That's a that's a very big problem in Pennsylvania. So we've uh, been retained by numerous public schools to help them through this issue and to help draft good legis- good policy that help them to put in place standards. Uh, for age appropriateness when it comes to sexually explicit content. Most schools in Pennsylvania don't have any standards in place when it comes to this material. So what ends up happening is their default standard is as long as a book doesn't land me in jail for giving it to a child, then the argument goes that we have to put it in the school library. That's, that's exactly what the argument is for whenever people are using standards for like obscenity law. Uh, to apply to what's appropriate in schools or not. Unfortunately, um, we're in a day and age where there are authors who are writing books with visual depictions of people engaging in sex acts on each other, uh, explicit written descriptions uh, of sex acts that really rival or surpass what you might even find in one of the raunchiest romance novels you might pick up. Um, from a dime shelf. Mm-hmm. And these types of things, when school boards look at them and say, hey, you think, we think this might go a little bit far afield, what these committees that schools put together when they have no standards look at is, is this pornography to the extent that a government could ban it from possession? Well, the answer is always going to be no, because that standard is very, very high. Mm-hmm. But that standard of, will this land us in jail for giving it to a kid? shouldn't be uh, the standard for what's appropriate to put it into school libraries because there's only a finite amount of time in the day. There's only a finite amount of space on these bookshelves. And the school board should be looking to fill those bookshelves and fill that space and curriculum with the best material that they can find. Um, That does not mean that they have to put every uh, sexually explicit book um, that exists, provided that they don't land in jail, onto the shelves. So schools have the right uh, I would say they even have the obligation to put in place written standards that indicate uh, how far is too far. And we've helped numerous schools do that. Yeah, I, I, it just amazes me. I'd like to hear some of the arguments um, from people who think sexually explicit books for, I don't know, fifth graders are a good idea. Um, is it? Is it because they're denying that they're sexually explicit or that they're denying that sexually explicit books are a problem? I've heard a few different things. So the first would be uh, a person who denies that there's even anything that's sexually explicit. And for for that, I would just have to say uh, they're wrong. They just haven't done the research to see the types of books that are out there. Uh, again, there's there's pictures of visual depictions of people giving each other oral sex. Yeah, they're also part of the body. 
Yeah, um, there are also, excuse me, but there are also um, multiple videos out there of people reading from the books correct. in front of the school board and getting escorted out by the security for for uh, for making obscene comments in front of everybody, including That's the right. children. They'll put they'll they'll shut them down and not allow them to read or show the material at a school board meeting. In fact, the press won't even publish the pictures uh, because they're not permitted to uh, because they're so mm-hmm. extreme. Um, so one of the arguments that I think is very convincing to people who haven't really paid a lot of attention is is the allegation, and it's a false allegation that these are book bans, um, and that's patently false. In fact, there was a Missouri uh, court opinion where the ACLU sued a school, and the ACLU lost. But the judge chastised the ACLU, like, in the opinion, for 35 times calling these age-appropriate standards book bans um, and said that that overwrought rhetoric has no place in this case. Because what schools do when they put in place standards, they're not saying that people can't purchase this material. They're not saying that a parent couldn't purchase this material at Barnes & Noble's if they wanted to. Um, Or that a student couldn't even possess this material if their parent gives it to them to read in study hall. All it's saying is these are the standards for what we're going to use tax money to pay for. At the end of the day, the parent with the most extreme uh, standards for what they would give their kids, that shouldn't be the standard that has to apply to everybody else. And it goes for both directions, both ends of that extreme. The school boards are the people who are elected to try to put in place some common standards. And at the end of the day, it protects even the librarians and the professional staff in the school because they're not then the burden's not put on them to subjectively determine every single line mm-hmm. and where it's going to be. Well, we see these, there are the, the, the cases like this, they, they get a lot of attention. Like I, I meant, as I mentioned, the, uh, you know, the videos of people trying to read from the book in front of the school board and then being told to stop and, and having their mic cut off. Right. But, um, so the ones that the, these cases that pop up do get a lot of attention, but how prevalent is it? Is is how much of a problem is it, and is it uh, is it is it overblown a little bit because of the sensationalism of the whole thing? Yeah, I, you know, it, it's it is when you, when you look at a, a couple book titles, um, they're really ubiquitous, and and it seems like the more uh, the more controversy there is, the more effort there is on some to purchase this type of material. So it's a li- it really is a problem, and it's becoming more of a problem as the standards that people have continue to change. Um, and so we see this, I think, even in the past five years accelerate, where just because of the, the political side of the aisle that people happen to be on, uh, people are picking picking positions without even assessing it. And so there are more and more books being produced directed at children with sexually explicit content in it um, than ever before. There mm-hmm. certainly has existed stuff in the past, but it, it's expanding. So that's why it's, it's ever more important for school boards to take the time to put some written standards in place uh, for age appropriateness when it comes to sexually explicit content. Now, I've got a question for you. This is not related to your, the work that you're doing, but I'm just, I just like to know what kind of response you think you would get to this from the schools. Um, there, there are several videos out there that I think are really good about abortion. Uh, a couple of them uh, include a doctor who's a former abortion doctor, and he's explicitly uh, describing what he does in an abortion. He, he holds up the tools. He, he, I, think he's, I think he was testifying in front of Congress. That's where the video came from. But there are, all, there are also animated videos showing uh, the limbs being torn off a baby inside the womb and, 
and yeah. showing you know the step by step of how how an abortion works. What might be the reaction to these school boards who think that the the stuff that we're discussing here, the sexually explicit stuff, how would they react to those videos being required in, say, health class? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that there's there's been an effort uh, there's been an effort for for that type of material to be accessible to students, and I think that they would probably oppose it because they folks on on the activist side of the the pro abortion movement mm-hmm. are very very intentional at ignoring the fact that there are two patients in right. the room whenever a woman goes in for abortion, the, yeah. the mother and the unborn baby. And yeah. so they do everything they can, whether it's through their rhetoric, uh, through their language, through, through op-eds, they will never mention the fact that there is another human being involved. And so I think they would vehemently oppose anything that's showing them. In fact, there's been legislation to, to just ensure that women who are going uh, into that sort of procedure have informed consent so that they know and that they can see a, a picture of the ultrasound and so they know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. And they oppose even that. So they don't even want the woman having the abortion to have informed consent. So they certainly wouldn't want students to have that informed consent either. But but these are the same people. Are, are, would, would it be too strong to say they're pushing... Uh, explicit material on onto the kids in the in the books available in the school would that be too strong? Are these that, same that people really who wouldn't, wouldn't want the abortion strong. stuff. There there is a number of schools that will put that material in the center aisle purposefully to ensure that 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 kids are directed to that material. And in your and, and we're talking to uh, Jeremy Samick. He's the chief of staff at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. So, in your experience of dealing with this, have you actually had any discussions or heard any? Uh, discussions from maybe attorneys representing these people or the people themselves justifying this and, and how they're doing so? Yeah, so our law firm, um, Independence Law Center, and I'm one of the attorneys there, yeah. uh, we represent these school districts and we assist them um, in doing this. And so mm-hmm. completely constitutional. Uh, one of, the, one of the, const- the, the legal arguments that people will use against putting any standards in place is to allege uh, that it's for some reason anti-LGBTQ. Okay. Um, false for a few reasons. So the first is that when when these policies are put in place, they're talking about sexually explicit content, and that's the same whether it's a heterosexual couple engaging in a sex act that's being visually depicted, a homosexual couple, or even a person by themselves. It has nothing to do with the orientation of the people. Mm-hmm. It just has to do with the fact if it's sexually explicit. And it's also quite offensive to assume that any content dealing with LGBTQ issues is, is sexually explicit. People can write books with LGBTQ characters in it that aren't sexually explicit. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, the argument that this is somehow anti-LGBTQ is simply false. Um, well, I, I, I appreciate you coming on, Jeremy. I'm out of time. One real quick thing. I, I wish they would also show pictures of what a woman looks like uh, after she's had a uh, transition to male. Uh, and that they could be something something that they could show in health class, and I don't see that happening either. But uh, thanks for coming on, and you're doing great work out there. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, John. Anytime. Okay, that's Jeremy Samick, and it's the uh, he's the chief of staff at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. I'll be right back. Well, I'm just finishing up here with what we spoke to uh, Jeremy Samick about. Jeremy from the uh, Pennsylvania Family Institute, I mentioned there at the end. I, and this is something that bugs me. Um, I, I see these videos of people standing up and reading out of these books 
um, these explicit books and the, the, the people sitting up there on the school board getting upset and having security remove the person because they don't they think it's too obscene to be read in front of all those people, even though it's not too obscene, according to them, to be in the school. But and I mentioned something, and I really it's it's something that really bugs me, and I mentioned it to Jeremy, and that's uh, two things: the videos showing exactly what happens in an abortion. Abortion is a huge issue in the United States right now, especially in the last uh, year or so, the, the Roe v. Wade um, decision by the Supreme Court, and an election coming up, and that being a major issue in the election. Uh, that and and the transgender issue, uh, th- those two issues are are huge, and there and there are something that th- they both um, are spoken about. I'm guessing quite a bit in school. Um, so you have the on the one side you have people who I don't know why they're doing it, but there are people out there pushing explicit uh, books that describe what happens with uh, when trans when gay people meet. Let's put it that way, uh, and. But there's, as far as I know, there's nobody showing videos of an abortion. Shouldn't that be something? I don't mean the actual abortion, but they're animated. But wouldn't it make sense? I don't know what grade, you know, what grade they start teaching these kids. Maybe eighth grade, something like that, as they're entering into puberty. Wouldn't it make sense to show girls and boys in school what happens in an abortion? Wouldn't that be a, a scientifically, if you're if you're teaching a a health class um, or anatomy class, if any, something, anything. You could fit it in there in any number of uh, courses. Why don't they do that? And one last thing, have you ever seen a picture of what a woman looks like after she's made the transition to what she thinks is going to be a man? It's really, really nasty looking. They should pass those things around in schools too and, uh, and you know, let the parents know that they're going to be showing it to them just like they, they do with the explicit uh, books promoting transgenderism and and uh, the gay lifestyle and all that stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think it deserves to be shown in the schools. I'll talk to you on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.